Hey, welcome to Cycles and Sanctity podcast. Today, in this episode, we are going to be celebrating priests. So if you're a priest and you have an anniversary this month or next month, I really want to acknowledge you and thank you for your fiat. I know that it's not easy being a priest and I want to pour love into you. So let's go into the podcast and hear some ways how we can support our priests. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Christ is risen, alleluia. He is risen indeed, alleluia. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of Cycles and Sanctity. I am Mama Jane. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Emily Adams last week and that some of you were able to jump on her retreat. I know that she's being called to serve a specific area of women who deal with infant loss, and I so appreciate her. You know, it's just one more piece of evidence that I see that we just don't know the wounds that others have and how precious each person is. This is one of the many things that I love about being a Catholic mindset coach. As Catholic coaches, we recognize the dignity and the value of each of our clients, and that sometimes we are called to do is hold the space for our clients to process their thoughts and emotions safely with God. So if you enjoyed the interview last week, I'm gonna tell you that next week, we are going to interview her again and continue that conversation. And I also want to share with you that because I am a Catholic mindset coach, I'm offering a free 30-minute session to any of my listeners. You'll find the link in the show notes, or if you want to DM me directly, then I can send you that link. So just to recap of what we've been discussing so far in this podcast, we've broken down the female cycle into four phases, menstruation, BIP, fertile phase, and the luteal phase. And we've also discussed four spiritual tools, which I use the acronym MARC, M-A-R-C. That stands for Mass, Adoration, Rosary, and Confession. And trust me, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna go back over and over to the four phases and also these four spiritual tools. But you can also always reach out for assistance if you have any questions about these spiritual tools or the phases that I was talking about. And I would really enjoy hearing about your own experiences and the reviews that you've learned so far. I have a friend in real life who shared with me that after she heard the episode about confession, that it was so helpful to her. She is coming back to the Catholic Church. And when I talked to her, she was working on her general confession examination, and she had the intention of setting up an appointment with her priest. So, you know, alleluia. Remember, it's always my intention for this podcast that others become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Oh, dear Jesus, grant me the grace to desire. So I hope you recognize that this isn't bragging on myself, but really bragging on how God is using me as his tool to build his kingdom on earth. Another thing that has been really on my heart is to review the review that M in the Valley gave me. She's one of the older listeners who said in her review that she regrets that she didn't have the information when she was first married in the 1970s. And so I want to encourage you, if you are an older listener who maybe is in the postmenopausal stage, I promise you that I do have your back 
First of all, I want to encourage you a way to practice cycling, even though you're actually not cycling because of your hormones, is to use the moon cycle to harness your own superpowers. Now, I know this sounds a little bit of woo-woo, as I call it, but hear me out, okay? Each cycle of the moon has a full moon and a new moon. And looking at scripture and other things, it really is my belief that is actually how our ancient women knew about their cycles. You know, they didn't know about hormones or fallopian tubes or ovaries or any of that stuff. But if you look in the Old Testament, a woman was considered unclean during her menstruation. And then about 14 days after that, she would have a ceremonial bath to cleanse herself. And then she could join her husband in marriage bed. And if you look at the story of King David and Bathsheba, this is exactly what she was doing when he saw her and lusted after her when he was standing on the rooftop instead of being out with his army in the battle. And so, of course, no wonder why she got pregnant, right? The other thing I want to present to you is that, you know, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, before the fall, there was original harmony and justice. And after the disobedience of Adam and Eve, there are four ways that this harmony was broken. First, our relationship with God. So man has a distortion of the image of God, which is one of the reasons why we're always having to go back to God and thinking about who he truly is. But second, it's the relationship of ourselves, right? Which is one of the other reasons why I do this podcast, because we as women have a broken relationship with our own selves and our own bodies. The control of our soul's spiritual faculties over our body has been shattered. And that's one of those internal fights that we're always having. And the third harmony that was broken was that union of man and woman, and therefore it's marked with lust and dominion. And the fourth harmony that was broken was with creation. So just FYI, you can look those paragraphs up in the catechism, paragraphs number 396 to 400. I've just kind of paraphrased it. But, you know, we do see evidence of the brokenness of the harmony and creation in our modern society. We're so, so disconnected with our creation. You know, we have electricity that allows us to work 24-7. You know, our children don't play outside as much. We have the ability to have seasonal foods year-round, so we really don't think about what's in season. So those are just some of the ways that I have seen that this disconnect with our creation. So as wise women of the village, I want to encourage you, older women, postmenopausal women, to just take notice of the moon cycle and use it for your own cycle. So the new moon represents menstruation and everything I talked about menstruation you can use during that phase. And then the full moon is ovulation, our creative time. We are called to be co-creators with our Lord. So what will you create during that time? Will you bake? Will you crochet? Will you paint? Will you create a community with your neighbors? So the next full moon from this episode will be on June 3rd. That is the peak. And that week is considered your fertile phase. So notice if you have any more energy, how you feel confidently, how you're using your creative gifts. And then please share it with me. I would really love to hear how you're using all of this. I've also created a Facebook group called Cycles and Sanctity for those of you who would like to interact in that way. So go on over to Facebook and go ahead and join that group. So this week, I am going to pause from the understanding of women's cycles and focus on a very special group of people who are also building the kingdom as well. It's our beloved priests. Today, particularly on May 18th, I want to give a really big shout out to my dear beloved priests in the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia, who were ordained 27 years ago in 1996. Now, I know I should be celebrating those priests who have special anniversaries, you know, like their first anniversary or their 10th anniversary or their 15th or even their 50th. But 
I want to celebrate these particular priests because they were so significant in my own spiritual journey. Out of the 10 that were ordained that year, 1996, I actually personally know four of them. But I want to remind you, if you are a priest, I celebrate each and every one of you. If you have anniversaries this month or next month, I do. I truly want to acknowledge you and I want to thank you for your fiat. It's not easy being a priest and I really want to pour love into you. And that's what this podcast is all about. So going back to these special priests, these priests in in the Diocese of Arlington, I'm going to just actually name them the ones that I personally know out of the 10, Father Murphy, Father Scalia, Father Ziegler, and of course, Father Stefanski. And I say, of course, for Father Stefan, because thanks to social media, I get a chance to communicate with him on a pretty regular basis. He He's doing some fantastic work. He is in the hospital ministry and just wonderful. As a matter of fact, one of the things he shared with us is that he has now been a priest longer than he hasn't been a priest. Isn't that cool? So another reason why I really want to focus and celebrate this particular group of men is because it was their ordination that helped me realize just how important the priesthood is and how as a married woman, I'm called to support them in their vocation. So I'm going to tell you a little story about how that happened. The Sunday after they were ordained, our pastor, Father McAfee, who's now retired, gave a homily. And he told us that if the Diocese of Chicago ordained as many priests based on the Catholics per capita, then they would have been ordaining 100 priests that year. And instead, they only ordained one. And that really saddened me. As a military wife and someone who was also formerly military, I I always knew that the military archdiocese was always extremely short of priests, but it was that homily that really gave me that perspective of just how important or how large this problem was of a priest shortage. As my journey in Catholic faith continued, I really came to love the priesthood and priests in general. I started to understand them as persona Christi. Without priests, we would not have the sacrifice of the Mass and therefore no Eucharist. Without priests, we wouldn't have the sacrament of confession. And without priests, we wouldn't have the last rites. So in my little brain, my logic is very simple. I love Jesus. Jesus established the priesthood. The priests are his representatives on earth. And therefore, I love my priests. I want to tell you a little story also before that ordination on how the Lord was showing me how beautiful priests are. In 1992, I was blessed to visit a place called Conyers, Georgia, where supposedly Our Lady was appearing to a woman. To my understanding, as of today, this apparition has not been approved by the church, and I understand that. But in spite of that, personally, I received very many graces from that visit. And one of the things I received there was a prayer that they asked us to pray after each decade of the rosary, after the Fatima prayer. And so I have actually been praying this prayer for over 30 years, pretty much every day when I pray my rosary. And this is how it goes. God, our Father, please send us good and holy priests, all for the sacred and Eucharistic heart of Jesus, all for the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, in union with St. Joseph. Amen. When I founded our Catholic homeschool group where I live, we began meeting once a month on first Fridays to pray the rosary, and I taught this prayer to the group. And one of the mothers who happened to have a lot of little girls, and one of those little girls just wanted to be a nun so bad she would talk about it all the time. So this mom approached me and said, you know what, could we add nuns as well? And so I said, of course. 
So we just changed the phrase, God our Father, please send us good and holy priests and religious. And again, that's been over 20 years. So we've been praying for priests and religious in our homeschool groups and our families for a long time. And sometimes when I meet a particular priest who touches my heart and soul, I think, wow, I've been praying for you and I didn't even know it. One day during COVID, I met a priest and I I was praying for this priest, particularly with the rosary. And I prayed that prayer and the Lord kind of stopped me and said, I've already answered that prayer for you. You need to be thanking me for this priest. So now when I pray for this particular priest, that's how I pray it. I, instead of saying, God, our Father, please send us holy priests. I say, thank you, Father God, for sending us this good and holy priest. So this brings me back to the focus of this podcast, Cycles and Sanctity. It's through our cycles that we women are gifts to the world. One of my spiritual daughters taught me a great truth. Every woman has four roles, daughter, sister, bride, and mother. And Our Lady is both virgin and mother. We're all called to bring forth life. So... My question to you, dear sisters who are listening, is how do we support our priests to bring forth life? I spoke to a bishop about vocations. Oh, this was probably about 10 years ago, or maybe even more. And one of his observations was that families are not willing to give their sons to the priesthood because many times they only have one son and the families desire grandchildren and passing on the family name. Isn't that an interesting thought? I find this to truly be interesting, a truth, because I live in the Southwest in a very Hispanic culture, and I have a lot of friends who have parents and grandparents who possibly had 10, 12, sometimes even 15 children, and yet my friends and their children only have one or two children in their family. Now, you must listen to me very carefully. As you heard in my interview with Emily Adams, there are many of us who will be like Emily, who have 10 children, six in heaven and only four on earth. So I am not saying, you know, have as many kids as possible or anything like that. What I am saying is, is that are we truly open to life? What are we waiting for? What are we scared of? What are the messages that we have taken in about the number of children that we're supposed to have? These are all thoughts. And remember, I'm a Catholic mindset coach. I understand that the mind is the battleground where the enemy plants the lies. Well, the next thing I want to address is how willing are we to see the priesthood as a viable possibility for our children? When I taught confirmation and later when I was a director of religious education, I would challenge the confirmation students to be open to attending a come and see weekend, either for the boys, a priesthood, or for the girls in the religious life. And most of them weren't even willing to have that discussion. And to be honest, even my own children haven't wanted to have that discussion. I remember one time when my oldest son was, I think he was probably a freshman in high school, and he had gone to a Steubenville conference over one of the summers. And when I asked him, when he came back, I was asking about his experience. And he said to me, now, mom, don't get too excited. But I walked down for the altar call. I think God is calling me to be a priest. And I just simply said to him, well, that's awesome. And of course, you should be open to this possibility. Good fathers are good priests, and good priests would make good fathers. Unfortunately, that was pretty much the extent of that conversation. Like I said, he was only about 14, and so by the time he was old enough to actually go to a come and see, that amber was smolded, and he didn't want to have that conversation. So I get it. I do get it. There's a real practical tip I want to recommend to you. 
I read this book years and years ago, and I just think it's so wonderful. It's called To Save a Thousand Souls, and it's about discerning the priesthood. As a matter of fact, in the first page, it's very funny. It's he, I think it's Father Brennan. He says he was a spiritual vocations director in one of the dioceses in Georgia when he wrote the book. But he says in the beginning, if you're reading this book under your bed covers with a flashlight because you don't want anyone to know that you're even thinking about the priesthood, then this book is for you. After I read that book, there were many baptisms for boys that I would just buy that book and give it to the mom because it really gave me some insight as a mom how to guide my boys and and how to pray for, for priests. But one thing that I really appreciated in that book was this particular prayer. And I wrote it on the three by five card when my children were young. I posted it all over the place. That's kind of how I taught my children to memorize their prayers. Any kind of prayer we were learning, I would just write it on three by five cards and have it all over the place. But this is the prayer that is in that book that Father Brandon mentions a number of times. And this is how it goes. Oh God, I want to want what you want. Even if I do not want it right now, even if I'm afraid right now, I want to want it. Please help me want to want what you want me to be. Amen. My kids used to think that was a really funny prayer because the word want is in there so many times. I want to want to want. But we must remember that what makes us human is our intellect and our will, our ability to choose. Remember, God will never overtake our free will. And this is a prayer that is so great to memorize and to pray in all situations, whether you are discerning a vocation or not. It opens our will to God even just a little bit. Let me share with you a particular experience that I had a few weeks ago. I was struggling with a particular circumstance, and in this circumstance, I had the feelings of betrayal and really hurt, and I also felt justified in my anger and my desire for vengeance, and I was really thinking of just cutting off this relationship. However, intellectually, I knew that that was really not the path that God was calling me to. That was not charitable. That was not brotherly love. That was really not how God wanted me to behave, but the feelings were just so, so strong. And yet I knew with my own pride and my own ego, I was just really living, holding on to that and just not even having that conversation with the Lord. I didn't even want to hear that there was this possibility of something else, right? And yet when I had this desire to seek his will and to do what he wanted, So I was kind of in this conflict of my will versus his will. And it was in that struggle that the Lord gave me that prayer that I had prayed every single day with my children for so many years. And it was a great prayer to pray because it allowed me to just kind of like loosen up the grip that I had. And I'm going to be really honest, I still struggled for with the Lord for a few days, but then because I kept praying that prayer, I want to want what you want, I was finally able to willfully and joyfully let it all go and simply love that other person. I wasn't white knuckling it like we talk about. I chose to let it go. And that's the beautiful thing about God. God is always a gentleman. He will only go where we give him permission. And this prayer gives him permission to open up and have that conversation with us. I heard a priest one time tell a story of his vocation and that when he shared with his mother that he was thinking about being a priest, she told everybody in their family. And then because everyone just was so excited, they actually acted as if he was already a priest. He hadn't even applied to seminary. 
and it completely turned him off and scared him. And unfortunately, he just closed that door for a few years. But the Lord kept calling him, and he eventually listened to the voice and recognized that he really wasn't going to be happy doing anything else except to go discover and see if he was being called to be a priest. And thankfully, when I met him, he had accepted the priesthood, and he was a beautiful priest. The best part about this is that, you know, he was so in love with the priesthood, and he actually even made fun of his own fears. It was, it was a really great story that I remember for so long. The best story I have of a mother who held space for her son's vocation is going to be revealed in June. I am working on actually interviewing this young priest, and I'm just so excited. So stay tuned and make sure you subscribe to the podcast and click the little bell so that you'll get the latest episodes. So besides being open to life and having those sons and encouraging them to take a look at the priesthood, how else as women can we support our priests? That's a good question, isn't it? You know, I know how difficult it is in this century with all of the priest scandals and the stories of terrible things that have happened. I have a dear friend who left the Catholic Church because of all the mess in Pennsylvania. That's where she lived. Her family had cabins up in the Poconos while she was growing up. And apparently one of the priests that were, I guess, was in her parish while she was growing up used to take their youth ministry up to one of the cabins And apparently this priest's name was on that list. And she just told me how just sick the thought that maybe one of the teenagers had been harmed in her family's cabin by that priest. Now, there was no evidence of that, but her imagination just ran wild, right? I told her that I get it. I I get the hurt. I get the pain. That was absolutely horrendous. But you don't leave Jesus because of Judas. We must pray for all of those who have left. The Catholic Church is the one true church established by Christ to build his kingdom here on earth. And if we think that there are no sinners in this church, well, then I guess you just really don't understand repentance and conversion. Now listen, I am not condoning any of those sins that those priests or any other priest commits. What I'm saying is, is that we don't leave the master because of one of his servants isn't doing his job well. We stay close to Jesus. We pray and we fast for those priests and for all priests. We lay people, we really have no idea how much our priests suffer because of us. We're sometimes just like little whiny children. We complain because Father's homily is too long. We complain because we don't understand his accent. We complain because he doesn't have this ministry. We complain because he said doesn't say mass in Latin. Listen, I am speaking to myself as well. I have complained many times on little things like that. It's so easy for us to complain, right? And especially about our priests. And it's so easy to just demand, demand, demand so many things of him. And then if we don't like that, then we just simply go church hopping and go to whatever mass is most convenient for our schedule. I heard this expression of this type of mindset. The speaker that I was listening to said, at least in the American Catholic Church, I don't know any worldwide But in the American Catholic Church, we have gotten into this attitude called consumer Catholicism. Consumerism, right? If we go to a particular restaurant and we don't like that restaurant, we're not going to go back. We're going to go to a different restaurant. And it's kind of the way we act with our Catholic Mass. If we go to a particular church and we don't like that priest, we don't like the time, whatever, and we're just going to consume and we're going to go to a different church. 
Now, as a Catholic mindset coach, it's my job to challenge thoughts and help my clients examine and interrogate their thoughts in order to process them through what we call the reason cycle. And so before we begin this process, I usually ask my client, what is the problem or what are their thoughts about that situation? And this is called a thought download, okay? So what I wanna do is I wanna challenge each and every one of you who's listening to this podcast today to just, you know, after you've listened to the podcast, just take 10 or 15 minutes and find a notebook or a journal or something and write down all of your thoughts about this statement. My thoughts on the priesthood. Now, most of us, don't want to acknowledge the bad thoughts or the sticky thoughts, sometimes the true thoughts about what we think about the priesthood. But I really do want to challenge you not to judge the thought, but simply write down the thought. And then also write down any evidence or any feelings that you have to verify that thought. When you write down, the reason why I don't want you judging it is because this is how we literally just down, we call it a download. We're just getting it all out, simply putting all of those thoughts that are in our heads onto paper. And I want to encourage our priests, if there's any priests listening to this podcast, to simply do this activity as well. It's very telling. Science tells us that as an average, we have 60,000 thoughts per day in our head. You know, some of those thoughts are quick and they easily go away, but some of those thoughts mull in our head and in our subconscious, and then that's what causes us to act or not act in certain ways. So let's get back to my friend who left the church. Her thought was, how could this man do such things? Which then led her to the thought, all priests are bad. Which then led her to the thought that the Catholic Church is bad. And then therefore she left the Catholic Church. Leaving the Catholic Church is a sin of apostasy. We're called to stay in the boat and help fix it, not leave and complain about it. Holy Mother Church needs all her children to stay and be part of the solution. So... When we leave the church, when we when we leave the Catholic faith, again, we we commit the sin of apostasy. And who do you think relishes in that? The enemy. That's exactly right. So do you see how important your thoughts and your feelings are? In the Confitior, we say every Sunday, I confess to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. See, a lot of the times we don't sin in action yet. It's in our thoughts. So what do we do with all of this? Well, that's what Catholic coaching is all about. The intention is to bring us back to Christ. St. Paul exhorts us in the letter of the Romans, do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. That's from Romans 12, verse 2. The priesthood is the will of God. He designed his church with the 12 apostles. The priesthood is good and pleasing to God. So let me give you some more practical tips how you can support the priesthood. Number one, of course, encourage your children and your godchildren to consider the priesthood. Teach them that I want prayer. Pray for your priest. Offer a rosary for him or a mass for him. Pray for his family and his friends. He's given up a lot to follow Christ. Fast for your priests. You can start off small. St. Teresa the Little Flower teaches us just little, little sacrifices, right? Something like if you have two teaspoons of sugar in your coffee, only have one and just say, Lord, I'm giving this one teaspoon of sugar up for this particular priest. Or maybe just leave a few bites of your dessert. Ask your priest, how may I serve you? 
You may need to serve them personally by maybe make, making them food or giving them a gift card so that they can purchase some things for their own needs. Or maybe you may need to be willing to serve in a ministry with which they need help. And I'll speak on that later in, in later episodes. But get to know your priest on a personal level. I know this can be difficult. You know, he only has so many hours in a day and he's just pulled in so many directions. But invite him to hang out with you. Find out what his interests and his hobbies are. Does he love soccer? Then invite him to watch a match on TV. Invite him to family celebrations or holidays. Again, you know, he might not have time, but at least he knows that you want to love him for him and not for what he can do for you. And my beloved priests that are listening to this, I beg you to allow us to love on you. I know it's hard for you to ask for help or acknowledge your own needs, but there's so many people who want to give back. Love is reciprocal. Receive our love. We are your bride. And that leads me to the best advice I can give you. Be patient and merciful with your priest. As a mother or a father, sometimes we're overwhelmed by all the demands of our children. Can you imagine just how demanding it is with your parish priest who has so many families and so many needs? You really don't know everything he does. You might be irritated because of his homily, but you don't know that he might have had only three hours of sleep because he was at the hospital all night ministering to a family. So be patient and merciful with our priests. And finally, do not compare one priest to another. Again, I'm talking to myself. It's so easy. I know so many priests. I love my priests. But comparison can cause judgment and jealousy and envy. Each person has dignity and value. Each person is created by God and God delights in that person, whether they're a priest or religious, whether you're married or single. Remember, God has a unique call to sanctity for each and every one of us. And God has called that priest to use his gifts and his talents in a unique way to build God's kingdom. Our job as lay people is to collaborate our own gifts and talents with his so that we can support and encourage and listen to our spiritual fathers that God has placed in front of us. As I close today, I want to thank every single priest that God has brought into my life. Every single one of you has blessed me in some way and has brought me closer to Jesus. Be assured that I am praying for you and for your holiness. Remember, it is Christ who called you to this vocation. And as St. Catherine of Siena reminds us, be who God created you to be and you will set the world on fire. Do not be afraid, as St. John Paul II tells us. Lead us to the Good Shepherd. Thank you. Thank you for your priesthood. Thank you for your fiat. And I ask for St. Paul's intercession for all of our priests as he prayed over the Thessalonians. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole, entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Alleluia. Till next week, God bless you all. If you like this podcast and thought of a priest, why don't you go ahead and share this episode with him? And I want to hear all about how you're supporting your own priest. And so go to the Facebook group page, Cycles and Sanctity, and let's share some more ideas. Have a great day.